Chapter Five of El Filibusterismo by Jose Rizal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in April two thousand twenty. A Cochero's Christmas Eve. Basilio reached San Diego just as the Christmas Eve procession was passing through the streets. He had been delayed on the road for several hours because the cochero, having forgotten his cedula, was held up by the civil guard, had his memory jogged by a few blows from a rifle butt, and afterwards was taken before the commandant. Now the caromata was again detained to let the procession pass, while the abused cochero took off his hat reverently and recited a paternoster to the first image that came along, which seemed to be that of a great saint. It was the figure of an old man with an exceptionally long beard, seated at the edge of a grave under a tree filled with all kinds of stuffed birds. A calan with a clay jar, a mortar, and a calicut for mashing buyo were his only utensils, as if to indicate that he lived on the border of the tomb and was doing his cooking there. This was the Methusale of the religious iconography of the Philippines. His colleague, and perhaps contemporary, is called in Europe Santa Claus, and is still more smiling and agreeable. In the time of the saints, thought the cochero, surely there were no civil guards, because one can't live long on blows from rifle butts. Behind the great old man came the three magician kings on ponies that were capering about, especially that of the negro Melchior, which seemed to be about to trample its companions. No, there couldn't have been any civil guards, decided the cochero, secretly envying those fortunate times, because if there had been, that negro who is cutting up such capers beside those two Spaniards, Gaspar and Balthazar, would have gone to jail. Then, observing that the negro wore a crown and was a king, like the other two, the Spaniards, his thoughts naturally turned to the king of the Indians, and he sighed. Do you know, sir, he asked Basilio respectfully, if his right foot is loose yet? Basilio had him repeat the question. Whose right foot? The king's whispered the cochero mysteriously. What kings? Our kings, the king of the Indians. Basilio smiled and shrugged his shoulders, while the cochero again sighed. The Indians in the country places preserved the legend that their king, imprisoned and chained in the cave of San Mateo, will come some day to free them. Every hundredth year he breaks one of his chains, so that he now has his hands and his left foot loose, only the right foot remains bound. This king causes the earthquakes when he struggles or stirs himself, and he is so strong that in shaking hands with him it is necessary to extend to him a bone which he crushes in his grasp. For some unexplainable reason the Indians call him King Bernardo, perhaps by confusing him with Bernardo del Carpio. "'When he gets his right foot loose,' muttered the cochero, stifling another sigh, "'I'll give him my horses and offer him my services even to death, for he'll free us from the civil guard.' With a melancholy gaze he watched the three kings move on. 
the boys came behind in two files sad and serious as though they were under compulsion they lighted their way some with torches others with tapers and others with paper lanterns on bamboo poles while they recited the rosary at the top of their voices as though quarrelling with somebody afterwards came saint joseph on a modest float with a look of sadness and resignation on his face carrying his stalk of lilies as he moved along between two civil guards as though he were a prisoner this enabled the cochero to understand the expression on the saint's face but whether the sight of the guards troubled him or he had no great respect for a saint who would travel in such company he did not recite a single requiem behind saint joseph came the girls bearing lights their heads covered with handkerchiefs knotted under their chins also reciting the rosary but with less wrath than the boys in their midst were to be seen several lads dragging along little rabbits made of japanese paper lighted by red candles with their short paper tails erect the lads brought those toy into the procession to enliven the birth of the messiah the little animals fat and round as eggs seemed to be so pleased that at times they would take a leap lose their balance fall and catch fire the owner would then hasten to extinguish such burning enthusiasm puffing and blowing until he finally beat out the fire and then seeing his toy destroyed would fall to weeping the cochero observed with sadness that the race of little paper animals disappeared each year as if they had been attacked by the pest like the living animals he the abused sinong remembered his two magnificent horses which at the advice of the curate he had caused to be blessed to save them from plague spending therefore ten pesos for neither the government nor the curates have found any better remedy for the epizootic and they had died after all yet he consoled himself by remembering also that after the shower of holy water the latin phrases of the padre and the ceremonies the horses had become so vain and self-important that they would not even allow him sinong a good christian to put them in harness and he had not dared to whip them because a tertiary sister had said that they were sanctified the procession was closed by the virgin dressed as the divine shepherd with a pilgrim's hat of wide brim and long plumes to indicate the journey to jerusalem that the birth might be made more explicable the curate had ordered her figure to be stuffed with rags and cotton under her skirt so that no one could be in any doubt as to her condition it was a very beautiful image with the same sad expression of all the images that the filipinos make and a mien somewhat ashamed doubtless at the way in which the curate had arranged her in front came several singers and behind some musicians with the usual civil guards the curate as was to be expected after what he had done was not in his place for that year he was greatly displeased at having to use all his diplomacy and shrewdness to convince the townspeople that they should pay thirty pesos for each christmas mass instead of the usual twenty you are turning filibusters he had said to them the cochero must have been greatly preoccupied with the sights of the procession for when it had passed and basilio ordered him to go on he did not notice that the lamp on his caromata had gone out 
neither did basilio notice it his attention being devoted to gazing at the houses which were illuminated inside and out with little paper lanterns of fantastic shapes and colours stars surrounded by hoops with long streamers which produced a pleasant murmur when shaken by the wind and fishes of movable heads and tails having a glass of oil inside suspended from the eaves of the windows in the delightful fashion of a happy and home-like fiesta but he also noticed that the lights were flickering that the stars were being eclipsed that this year had fewer ornaments and hangings than the former which in turn had had even fewer than the year preceding it there was scarcely any music in the streets while the agreeable noises of the kitchen were not to be heard in all the houses which the youth ascribed to the fact that for some time things had been going badly the sugar did not bring a good price the rice crops had failed over half the livestock had died but the taxes rose and increased for some inexplicable reason while the abuses of the civil guard became more frequent to kill off the happiness of the people in the towns he was just pondering over this when an energetic halt resounded they were passing in front of the barracks and one of the guards had noticed the extinguished lamp of the caromata which could not go on without it a hail of insults fell about the poor cochero who vainly excused himself with the length of the procession he would be arrested for violating the ordinances and afterwards advertised in the newspapers so the peaceful and prudent basilio left the caromata and went his way on foot carrying his valise this was san diego his native town where he had not a single relative the only house wherein there seemed to be any mirth was capitan basilio's hens and chickens cackled their death chant to the accompaniment of dry and repeated strokes as of meat pounded on a chopping block and the sizzling of grease in the frying pans a feast was going on in the house and even into the street there passed a certain draught of air saturated with the succulent odours of stews and confections in the entresol basilio saw sinang as small as when our readers knew her before although a little rounder and plumper since her marriage then to his great surprise he made out further in at the back of the room chatting with capitan basilio the curate and the alferez of the civil guard no less than the jeweller simon as ever with his blue goggles and his nonchalant air it's understood senor simon capitan basilio was saying that will go to tiani to see your jewels i would also go remarked the alferez because i need a watch-chain but i'm so busy if capitan basilio would undertake capitan basilio would do so with the greatest pleasure and as he wished to propitiate the soldier in order that he might not be molested in the persons of his labourers he refused to accept the money which the alferez was trying to get out of his pocket it's my christmas gift i can't allow you capitan i can't permit it all right we'll settle up afterwards replied capitan basilio with a lordly gesture also the curate wanted a pair of ladies earrings and requested the capitan to buy them for him i want them first class later we'll fix up the account don't worry about that padre 
said the good man who wished to be at peace with the church also an unfavorable report on the curate's part could do him great damage and cause him double the expense for those earrings were a forced present simone in the meantime was praising his jewels that fellow is fierce mused the student he does business everywhere and if i can believe a certain person he buys from some gentlemen for half of their value the same jewels that he himself has sold for presents everybody in this country prospers but us he made his way to his house or rather capitan tiago's now occupied by a trustworthy man who had held him in great esteem since the day when he had seen him perform a surgical operation with the same coolness that he would cut up a chicken this man was now waiting to give him the news two of the laborers were prisoners one was to be deported and a number of carabaos had died the same old story exclaimed basilio in a bad humor you always receive me with the same complaints the youth was not overbearing but as he was at times scolded by capitan tiago he liked in his turn to chide those under his orders the old man cast about for something new one of our tenants has died the old fellow who took care of the woods and the curate refused to bury him as a pauper saying that his master is a rich man what did he die of of old age get out to die of old age it must at least have been some disease basilio in his zeal for making autopsies wanted diseases haven't you anything new to tell me you take away my appetite relating the same old things do you know anything of sakpang the old man then told him about the kidnapping of cabezang tales basilio became thoughtful and said nothing more his appetite had completely left him End of chapter 5